Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm going to be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right. Don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple podcast as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. This is Cesar Pliqueta. This is William. This is Ali Riley. Hi, this is Ruben Loftus-Cheek, and you're listening to the London is Blue podcast. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the London is Blue podcast, your home for all things Chelsea FC. Dan, Mike, Nick, and myself cover all of Chelsea's latest matches, team news, and even throw you some exclusive interviews. Thank you for being an awesome listener, and with no further delay, let's jump right in. And we're back, Chelsea fans. I know you probably didn't expect us after we took Tuesday morning off, but it's just the scheduling conflict. Just like a ton of home fans, Dan, can't make it to Stanford Bridge on a Monday night, we just weren't able to make it work on a Monday night as well. So here we are, Tuesday, hitting everyone up on Wednesday, but we're here. We're showing up, putting in the work. Yeah, and there's really only one reason that we're doing this episode, and it's because Nick is going to now have to pay forward a bet that he made on the podcast earlier in the season. Yeah! And we're very excited to announce that when we're in Boston, that Nick will be sporting, uh, dare I say, a Chelsea-colored beard during the festivities. All right, look. Uh, I uh, responded. It was actually on Twitter, Dan. You don't get to take credit for this on the pod. I responded to one of our listeners who was trying to goat me. And this was about five weeks ago. And Callum had yet to have a Premier League start this season. I thought it was pretty safe. You know, there are only a few matches left. I think about 10 matches left. And he would have had to start 40% of those uh, before the end of the year. And all of a sudden, after a tumultuous February and a very average 
kind of start to march. Maurizio Sarri uh, broke out his his marker board, started shifting some names around, and I think we're all excited for Callum. Uh, I certainly am. I'm I'm happy to pay this off. Uh, hopefully, it's some sort of live event. You guys can marvel at my at my blue beard that will be temporary because I'm a fucking professional and I have to go back to work. But um, but yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited for Callum. I was way more excited before this match, guys. Obviously, him going down was was pretty rough, but. Uh, this this will be done in Boston. So uh, if you're at the Banshee, um, let's let's have a beer. Let us have a blue beer with Nick. Oh, what a blast that's gonna be. Um, Dan, iTunes reviews. These people deserve a shout out for their i five star love. Yeah, you know they show up every time, all the time, and that is an important peace in life consistency consistency from some five-star views one from ice burgery from the us of a talking about love listening to the guys talk about everything chelsea great match recaps great player interviews and much more and then we also got justin from kalamazoo who's giving us five stars for great podcasts listening makes the work go by so much faster keep doing what you're doing keep the blue flag flying high so again leave a five-star review in itunes it ends up in our inbox at the end of the week and then we read them on the podcast and you get a little bit of recognition for helping promote the show on you know the one most wonderful or at least the largest podcasting platform uh still in the industry yo justin hit me up i'm gonna be in kalamazoo next week so if you have a pub around the area to watch the chelsea match i'm down at bb busby on twitter or contact at london is blue podcast dot Com. Anyways, it's a great, sorry. It's a great town name, by the way. Uh, Kalamazoo. I agree with that. Fantastic so, town name. Would love to watch the match if people are doing it. Uh, anyways, Patreon. Huge shout out to Dan and Munin jumping on the Patreon bandwagon. Thank you guys so much for supporting us with some pledges every single month. Uh, that is awesome. Join the Discord, and that's where you can shade on Nick, and he won't fight back. <laughs> uh, well, it's, it's great when he doesn't log in. Because yeah. that makes it so much easier to shade on him. Hmm. Yeah, I. Uh, so I actually, I was. We were just talking about this before the before the pod, but I just had sinus surgery last week, so um, I'm glad we're actually doing this tonight because I wasn't able to make it last night. And one of the things I did when I got my phone after surgery, kind of coming out of anesthesia, was I was looking at Discord because it had just blown up because the match was played while I was. Uh, getting work done on my on my big dumb head and i saw so many mentions about just like everything related to the match and then some call outs and i was not well enough to fight back but soon enough team soon enough we will we'll get that done uh one more thing we would be remiss without saying a massive massive fucking thank you to everyone who uh voted for us in the football blogging awards uh, the damn the, the entries are all are all being counted now. Um, the judges are kind of going through their final qualitative analysis. I hope um, because we, we deem ourselves to be better than meme accounts, um, so we hope that that holds up. Uh, but I mean, look, if if we end up on top, it's completely due to you guys. You guys absolutely crushed it. We saw so much love. Chelsea Vancast saw so much love. Just a massive, massive, massive thank you. You keep coming through for us. So we hope to take this thing home in a couple weeks. Oh, we appreciate it. We do, do, do appreciate it. All right, listeners. Well, unfortunately, here's where it goes south because it's time for the match review. 
Obviously, it was an amazing weekend on Saturday, Sunday. Everyone losing United, Arsenal, Spurs, Chelsea sitting in a beautiful position to maximize, practically clinch top four. And then this happened. Burnley at home in the Premier League this past Monday. Stupid Monday. And the score was 2-2. So, Dan, run us through the lineup before we get into the goals and what all actually happened. I mean, do we have to? I mean, the lineup's one of the safest parts, let's be honest. Is it now? Is it really? Is the lineup safe? We'll we'll go through it and we'll we'll let maybe Nick be the judge here. But Kepa between the sticks... You saw Louise and Christensen partnered in central defense, along with Azpilicueta and Emerson on the left and right back roles. You had Jorginho, Conte, Ruben Loftus-Cheek as your midfield three. And then you saw Hazard, Calum Hudson-Odoi, and Gonzalo Higuain as your front three, the attacking trio, the triple H, as it were. Lily Caballero on the bench, along with Apacosta, Gary Cahill, making some bench appearances recently with Rudiger being... A little uh, knocked up at the moment. And then uh, Ross Barkley, Mateo Kovacic, Pedro, and Olivier Giroud. The last three all making substitute appearances during the match, Nick. Yes, uh, unfortunately. <laughs> Honestly, like I, I, the the first two that you mentioned were because of injury. We'll get into that in a second. But, I mean, it was, you know, I, I think from a starting lineup perspective, Brandon, and, and the expectation coming into this match is rarely has the league done Chelsea a favor like they did this weekend. Arsenal losing at home to Palace was not something I think would happen. No way that we thought Everton would absolutely house United. Uh, And I think Maurizio did a really great job of getting, you know, the the best possible lineup out there, you know, maybe Sands Giroud uh, for for Higuain. Uh, But, you know, it's just unfortunate that it didn't play out the way we wanted to. You can almost kind of sense it before the match, though. I had a really bad feeling about this. Giroud was my big change. I think the rest of the lineup kind of picks itself. Well, not really. Actually, sorry, picked it. But I thought it was probably our best chance at it, especially with Rudiger being injured. Um, you know, I kind of said it in the text thread. It's it, You could have had a bad feeling because... We've had golden opportunities already this season, and we've absolutely crocked it up. We haven't been able to take advantage when these golden chances present themselves, uh, and that is exactly what happened again, unfortunately. And it is a damn shame, and we can get it, and we'll get into it a little bit, but there's also collateral damage. It, you know, Angola Conte had to go off at half of the back injury. Sounds like he will be recovered in time for United. Um, and then obviously the big one with Callum hudson Doy rupturing his Achilles, which the word rupture, there's not too many words that make me cringe in the English language. Ugh. Rupture is it. Uh, I can't imagine that. Uh, Nick, you being the resident Achilles injury expert, <laughs> unfortunately, uh, uh, you absolutely called it uh, on the spot. Yeah, look, I, I, I hate... I hate the way those look. I've seen them in pro sports before. I've injured both of mine, but they were only slight, you know, only slight injuries comparatively. And I'm, I'm not. I don't think I'd be nearly as tough as he would be to walk off after that. I mean, can we get the fucking guy a stretcher? Like, where? Like, what's going on with the medical staff? My God, uh, I don't know, man. I, I just the way the way he planted, and we're kind of getting into our, our second question first, which is is fine, but. The the way he planted, it looked like he thought the ground, like he was already 
on the ground and ready to push off and his leg just kind of buckled and he was not ready to brace, you know, properly. And I think it just snapped and it's so unfortunate, man. It's so unfortunate. Um, and I'm not coming at this as a, a person who just lost a bet and has to dye his beard blue. That's that's 0% where this is coming from. It's just the guy was just getting into the team regularly. And it's something that we've been calling for and calling for and calling for. And I think to Maurizio's credit, when he came off, he looked just bereft for him. I mean, he looked really disappointed. I think everyone kind of knew that it was severe, Dan. And, you know, all we can do is just wish him the best. I mean, it's so disappointing. Yeah, really quite the bummer how the news kind of leaked afterwards with uh, Moose from Talk Sports dropping the, oh, well, he tore his Achilles and then deleted the tweet a few minutes later and then updated with the, well, it's not actually confirmed at this point. And so everybody was... How annoying. Crest- that That's yeah, irresponsible yeah. journalism. And I know Moose isn't really a journalist. He's a sideline reporter, but still irresponsible. Yeah, I mean, it just captured the fact that we as supporters were all crestfallen, uh, except for the one guy who tweeted at us and basically was like, this is what he gets for... <laughs> This is what he gets for having his head turned by Byron, which is the absolute, like, just go. That guy can go fuck himself. I'm just throwing (laughs) that out there. Whoever that guy is, go fuck yourself. But I think, as, you know, and then as the news, as Callum talked about it through, you know, his Instagram and Twitter, as the club confirmed it, as the club talked about the, you know, that he did go and have, you know, a surgery for it. And then you look at what some of the turnaround times are for this type of injury in the Premier League uh, across kind of global football, you know, 200 plus days is not, you know, unrealistic, 250 plus days. And then even then, you know, you're working that person back into maybe a substitution appearances, maybe limited minutes, because you want to be very careful with any type of injury, but especially when you have a 18, 19 year old player coming back from, the one of the most significant injuries that he's gone through and one of the most significant injuries, you know, in, in sport, it's going to affect everything from the way he plants to the way he accelerates to the way he moves uh, laterally. Like all of that is going to be impacted by this. And, you know, we got a couple of questions uh, from Albert and Dex uh, as a part of our Patreon. And they were really asking a lot, like, you know, a, are we screwed with Callum's injury? And I think it's with, William struggling a little bit with injury, with Pedro being a little uh, injury prone this season, with potentially the upcoming ban on registering new players. Uh, there's a lot of potential being screwed that exists in this scenario. Uh, but I think first and foremost, you know, Brandon, our concern is about Callum, the person, the player, and what this means to him and his future, uh, more so than what the immediate impact is on Chelsea. Like, yes, it sucks, but like, let's think about the person first in this. Sure. I mean, I, you know, I actually broke my leg, uh, as an 18 year old right at the end of high school heading into college, uh, and had a, had a long road recovery too. And it's a huge mental drain. And the biggest thing is the mental state when you come back, right. Building up the confidence to trust it again. Yep. And, and, He's not walking, right? We're asking him to run at high speeds, cut, turn, pivot. Um, and it's such a, a, a potentially weak thing. And so the like you're kind of saying, the confidence piece is to, to trust it and to have full strength and, and confidence in is what's going to be the, the biggest re- uh, recovery part for him, I think. So, Well, well think, about, think about this, Brandon. Like 
this is a guy who got into the team not only based on his, on his footballing ability, his control of the ball, his shooting, but because he was a dynamic player. He's fast. He cuts quickly. He has the you know God given ability to blow by Premier League defender, elite level defenders, and you know he's 18 years old. I mean this. This is one of the most significant injuries that an athlete can can face muscularly, uh, or or with joints or tendons. Like this is a, a massive, massive injury. We cannot understate that. I mean, it's uh, it's crazy. And so you you hope that alongside the physical recovery that he's he's getting the kind of you know the the, the help with the mental side of his game and trusting it and. You know, I'm sure Chelsea are going to do a phenomenal job of, of equipping him with the right uh, team to get him back to fitness. But I think we would all just implore, you know, take all of the requisite time you need. Like, there there are many cases. Dan was looking this up in the NBA, which is kind of a similarly fast-paced game. And, you know, one of, one of the ones I came up with is John Wall, who, you know, has had a lot of muscular problems, but recently tore his Achilles uh, while he was recovering from something else, and he he might be done with his prime, you know. Once once thought of as like an unbeatable one on one player, now is it might be coming back as like a sub on his team, where he just signed like a hundred fifty million dollar contract. So this is not not anything to be trifled with. We just hope that he takes all of the time. I think that he needs to to get right mentally and physically, and. You know, I think Brandon. The, the one thing I would I would say as a pro is that he's 18, so his body will certainly recover uh, quicker than you know, if he was an older player. Yeah, and I think having such a, a projected long recovery that'll give him time. He's not going to maybe rush it back. Where it's kind of crazy if you break a leg or tear an ACL, they can expedite that recovery with the technology today. Where the Achilles is like, no, 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 hey. It might be, you know, 10 or so months to recover. So let's just take our time and do it right. That'll help. Um, there's also the contract situation with Callum. I think this is a good opportunity for Chelsea to show uh, love and support to him. Um, hopefully they continue to hold the contract offer and say, hey, we believe in you. We want to support you. Uh, and they're able to find an agreement. Otherwise, it's kind of a weird situation. He'll actually pretty much be out of a contract by the time he comes back. And who knows, um, if you're being cynical, he's probably not going to get nearly as much from a team after him not playing 10 months after severe injuries he will at Chelsea. So, you know, there's always that angle, but I'm not going to go down it because I don't want it to be seen as selfish or greedy or anything like that. It's just a part of the picture. Um, well, if you're if you're the club right now too, Dan, like this is the perfect opportunity for you to step up and show how much this player really means to you, right? Like this, it's clearly a guy who has a significant amount of potential. He's at the very beginning of his career. He has, you know, five six more years before he hits his prime. Uh, this is a great time to show that you are compassionate, that you care, and that you're willing in a time of trial to step up for a for a kid essentially and make sure that he gets back to his best. Yeah, 100%. I mean, we've we've signed we've done worse business aka Daniel <laughs> Drinkwater. So maybe we could do the right thing a few times this season and do that. I I think the other big concern has to be heading into next season with the possibility that Eden Hazard is a Real Madrid player that 
our starting wingers or, or you know attacking individuals are a mix of Pedro, William, Pulisic, and then Callum coming off a Achilles tear somewhere in the probably post December January fixture craziness. Um, so yeah, you're gonna hope that we are not blocked from signing players because the need to get uh, an additional attacker or maybe two has become pretty immediate with that injury all right so we'll see how it all plays out obviously uh for Callum but we you know we gotta we gotta move on we we can't you know talk about poor Callum the entire episode so jumping into the goals here we've got two two uh started off pretty poor in the eighth minute uh just didn't clear off a corner uh fell to Hendrick unchallenged standing volley at the top of the box opens it up then we respond right away nick 12th minute and gola conte a brilliant run by eden hazard an even better pass to pick his head up and find angola who smashed it home so we're sitting pretty right momentum's on our side 1-1 Iguain buries it 2-1 and then we literally can't even get our grips 10 minutes later barnes wide open at the back post 2-2 and that's how it ends it just it what a roller coaster of emotion again Chelsea just can't defend set pieces yeah I mean I look going through these goals like the Hendrick goal was a great goal uh whether you want to admit it or not it's I it don't probably probably <laughs> probably a once in a lifetime hit for him the Barnes goal is just a classic set piece English rough and tumble goal and I hate Ashley Barnes with every fiber in my being because yeah, going all the way back to when he almost broke Nemanja Matić's leg in the in the fourteen fifteen season, uh, he's just a dirty fucker. Like I, he he kissed another player last week. He's a classic antagonist. I mean, he he's he's just the worst. But it's really easy to score when no one's around you, <laughs> Dan. Like no one's around him. He two headers and he's just at the at the back post chilling and and puts the ball through Keppa. Yeah, he's the perfect type of English Premier League villain. You know, he's the one who just will get under your skin and get your blood boiling. And I very much hope at a season in the future, maybe next season, that Burnley will go down and be cast into a most terrible fate. Like, they are deserving of the Sunderland skid and I would pray and hope for that. Um, you know that 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 is something that you know I would uh, I would wish for. I would dream for. I would uh, you know I could begin to convince to do some things for that. But yeah, I, I just I really hate playing Burnley, and I this is what I you know expect. And you know, great great job by uh, Mister Friend. Not a friend to anybody on that pitch in a blue shirt in this match. But just really allowed, you know, the player safety element to be front and center when you know multiple players came off uh, injured or you know multiple contact you know, kind of situations occurred with no caution or no stoppage in play. Just the uh, you know get up and get on with it, Brandon. It just was you know a, a real kind of travesty, a real joke, and you know Burnley and friend together made for quite the rough night out for uh, the. 11 Chelsea players on the pitch. Right. So Chelsea was 76% possession. Chelsea had 22 shots, nine on target. Burnley had six shots, three on target. We had 899 touches to their 425. And this is what blows my mind. We 
actually only had 681 passes. They had 219. That is disgustingly low. We had each had 15 tackles. They had 48 clearances to our 12. We had 10 corners to their one. They had one yellow card for time wasting in the 35th minute, and they only conceded uh, four fouls the entire game. Unbelievable how well, that works. They, they, they didn't come to play football. So I mean, it's yeah. Crazy. That that okay. So that's kind of where I get the most pissed off is that you know Sean Dice is talking up his team. Hey, we have twenty eight points out of you know twenty six points in eighteen matches, whatever it is. You can't defend what that was like. That was like that was in so that was insulting to the game of football, and it was insulting to his fans and them as a club. Burnley and Sean Dice have had some amazing results finishing like top eight or whatever it is in the Premier League. But that was pathetic. And I'm not going to blame everything on Friend and Burnley because as I just read off, Chelsea had 22 shots, 10 corner kicks, and we couldn't do enough with it. And we had a lot of time to win that match. My problem is you can't act like it didn't affect the game and, and change it. And that Kevin Fred did a terrible job managing this match. You thought he had promised, right? Like he cautions Heaton right away in the first half, which is crazy. It's like that's like the second fastest yellow caution to a goalkeeper for time wasting, or maybe any player for time wasting in the Premier League since like 2011 when Begovic, of all people, got one. But the point is that they went out with an anti football plan didn't bother playing. Everyone went down every single time. They argued everything. Did you notice that? And Kevin Friend stopped to talk to everyone every single time. And Nick, I just, it was the most frustrating thing to watch because it was so obvious. And I know JK on the fan cast has the same problem. How do officials not realize what's happening around them? Are they caught up in the moment and they can't see it from a macro scale? But someone, there's four of them there. Someone's got to realize what the hell is going on. I mean, look, if this was the first time in history that this tactic was employed, then I can forgive it, right? Like, and I don't even, I really don't even fault Sean Dyche for this. Like, I think, I think he sets out his team to do a couple of jobs to, to be really good in the air on set pieces and to defend with their life. Like those, that's kind of the hallmark of his team. They, they are not out there to play beautiful football. They're not out there to blow you away with uh, with speed and pace. They're there to lock you down and frustrate you. And look, Chelsea's been guilty of this in the past too, so I don't want to sound like a hypocrite. But the the added layer of obstinance, the added layer of talking to the official every single time, the added layer of time wasting in the twenty second minute of a match, the added layer of uh, Ashley Barnes getting away with basically murder on the pitch because. You know, and for some reason, I have no idea how because he was just cautioned for kissing a player last week. Like all of this is is just really tough to take, you know. Because as as Kevin Friend knows, like this this is how they set up to play. Burnley's played like this this at Chelsea before. Uh, Burnley plays like this every week. Uh, You know, I I get that they're trying to get a result and, and stay in the Premier League, but. And it's fine to to play good defense and to, and to win and in, in, on set pieces. It's not fine to basically try and muddy the game up and uh, you know go outside the rules to to win it. And and that's where if I'm Maurizio sorry, I, I feel a little bit aggrieved. I mean, there could have been ten added minutes, Dan, at the end of this match for all of the time, for all the stoppages and stuff like that. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna throw something out here though, and and not to 
prop up Sean Dyche because he can do that enough for himself with the way he just pulls in a breath of air and makes his chest triple in size. It's quite impressive. But Sean Dyche is anti-football in the last 16 games. 1.75 points per game. 28 points. Chelsea, last 16 games for comparison, 27 points in the Premier League. So we should play like Burnley? I'm not saying we should play like Burnley. I'm just saying that his anti-football with a, a team, a squad that you would argue has less talented players on it, has managed to earn a, one more point than Chelsea have over the same span of 16 games. And we have N'Golo Conte, we have Eden Hazard, and you would imagine that with the other you know, nine players around them on the pitch that they should be able to go in and get a result usually against teams like this, except when you cross the ball 40 plus times and you have no tall individual in the box and you have a team that is set up to basically block everything, then you probably have not come in with the right game plan, Brandon. I hate it. I don't want to, it's disgusting. It's stupid. I know they only needed one point to secure safety, but that was that was embarrassing. Like their whole fan base should be like we're pissed at the quality of football that Chelsea are playing. I, I I'm that was disgusting. Don't, d- don't get it twisted though. I'm way more upset that Chelsea couldn't figure it out right. than I am at Burnley for for being obstinate. Like it just I think it, it's it fine, amplifies like, it, right? It amplifies yeah. it. Like we we can we can sit here and criticize Burnley all we want. The fact of the matter is. Chelsea have blown opportunity after opportunity after opportunity this year to secure points, to put themselves in a better position, to to you know secure top four. And after a match like this, it is absolutely impossible to believe that we will finish in the top four at the end of the season. Our run-in is harder. I know we're going to get into that in a second. But there's just no belief that this team can close. And I think that was what I texted you guys uh, yesterday in, in the group text was the the saddest part of this whole thing for me, Dan, is that I don't believe in this team to close like like we are so used to like 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 Chelsea has proven to us in the past. They were the masters of the comeback. They were the masters of staying in the game against all odds. And I don't feel like outside of the the twenty minute stretch in the first half where they were really dominant and creating a bunch of really interesting chances. I don't feel like they can put it together for an entire match, and that's what kills me. Yeah, it's you know we're watching. You know, I think we've we've heard about it a couple of times. The Arsenal full Arsenal vacation. It's a fictitious word, so it's hard to pronounce. Of Chelsea, you know, we had a result where we lost six nothing to Man City earlier in the season. We lost four nothing to Bournemouth, and we've been so focused on the ideological rather than the pragmatic and. Not saying I would swap Sean Dyche into Chelsea tomorrow, but maybe a little bit of a pragmatism that he has with his side, which is a very much, I know what I have, and I know I don't have an Hazard. I know I don't have, I mean, I have an Ashley Barnes, and <laughs> I have a Ben Me, and I'm going to get the job done and keep my club up and accomplish you know, my remit and what my job expectation is season in and season out, and it's not going to be pretty, but I'm going to get it done. And, you know, at times, as pretty as, you know, what we have seen at Chelsea this season and a couple of the matches, it should not have been about what's pretty. 
It should have been about what gets the job done and trying to find the right way to make it happen. You know, I think, you know, someone asked us, uh, you know, Christian on our, our Patreon was asking us, you know, why, why not throw, you know, crazily, why not throw a second striker on and have Higuain and Giroud on not allowed. for a period of the game? Illegal. You can't do it. <laughs> we've we've looked uh, ex- I, extensively at the rules, Dan. It's was that impossible. was that changed in the uh, for the FA yeah. this season? Is it, uh, <laughs> it's it's a, just the FA, okay. To play uh, with two strikers Chelsea. is ludicrous. And, and and I get that it, a part of it was injury like issues, right? Like he had to make two two very early subs, which probably can you know if you're watching Angolo Conte show that he is actually human, which was probably the most earth shattering thing this entire terrifying match to see him terrifying. Yeah, it, I, it's like seeing I, a, a superhero lose. Like, dude, it's like I have to question everything in my life again. Is the sky <laughs> really blue? I don't know. Oh, I don't God. know. But yeah, I, I think that that you know, Nick, to kind of that point, like ultimately, the 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 flexibility has needed to be there, match in and match out, and it isn't always there because we're going after the pursuit of something. But if you get so lost in your pursuit that you can't pull yourself out and save yourself from the you know the burning building around you, then what what was the point of all of it? Cool. I like that because I want to talk to you about that. So we're going to take a real quick uh, ad break and we get back. I want to kind of talk about Sari's position and why he's doing what he's doing. So real quick, we'll be right back. All right. So Dan posed the question of, you know, Sari essentially stuck in the building as it's burning down, trying to build it and not realizing that it's falling apart around him. Um, so it's kind of interesting. So Maurizio Sari was, was hired with a two-year contract, right? Think so, short term. Right. It was a two two year with an option yeah. for a third, which is super third. short in football these days, right? So he essentially got a massive promotion. I'm trying to like relate this to normal people careers, right? So he took a massive promotion. He's a little bit unproven, so they said, "Hey, we're only going to give you two year contract. You pretty much need to get it right immediately, otherwise you're out." So if you're in his shoes, he essentially said, "Hey, you have to build a multi million dollar business, and you've got a year to do it." In, if you mess up, you're out. So he's going into it saying, well, I've been pretty successful doing it this way. I'm going to do it that way. So it makes sense to me why he's doing what he's doing. He's sticking with this plan. He's like, I know this recipe works. It just needs time. I'm going to stick with it because to me, it's the best chance I have at winning. Maurizio sorry, doesn't play 4-2-3-1. He doesn't play 4-4-2. He doesn't play 4-5-1, whatever it is. He doesn't, that's, he doesn't know how to do it. And so his best chance of winning in his mind is this 4-3-3 formation that he's done, that he essentially has rose from the bottom of Italy to the top of Italy. And it's not working now. But he's never done anything else. So the, the thing about it is, Maurizio Sarri doesn't have a plan B because he's never had to before. And now that he has to on such a big level, it's uncomfortable. He's never done it. It's a huge risk. Like to me, I understand why he's pursuing what he's doing, but it's not, I'm not saying it's right. So the problem he has is it's this late in the season. Why would he switch now? I mean, he doesn't, he literally doesn't know anything else. Well, I, I mean, the, the, the terrible thing will be, and and not to go, Nick, on my favorite, uh, di- you know, darkest timeline scenario. Yes. But to at the end of the season, to not finish top four, to end up getting to the Europa League final, 
and to come to the U.S. for this match, and we'll meet up all his you know fans and supporters in Boston, and go to Gillette and we'll watch this you know anti-Semitism match, and we'll be excited, and then we'll watch them lose the Europa League final, and we will end up seeing Risa Sarri get sacked, and you know if you want to make it even worse, the registration ban gets upheld, uh, and we lost Eden Hazard, and Calmus Enjoy has had a ruptured Achilles, it's like you know the. A lot of the pieces are falling into place, unfortunately, for a really, really bad, terrible, horrible, no good, very, very bad summer. And I, I mean, I just wonder, what do you do, Nick? Like, if you're the club, what do you do in this scenario? Well, here at this point, he's he's here till the end of the year. I mean, that that's pretty obvious. Like, you don't you don't fire him now and throw everything into chaos. I mean. It just that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I think the players haven't given up, even though they're not playing great. Uh, and you know, I think you just try and write it out. I mean, there's only so much the club can do, you know, between what's potentially a transfer ban, what's potentially new manager recruitment uh, in the summer, and you know, kind of all the like, but. What I would be doing if I were, you know, the mythical owner of, of Chelsea Football Club is I would be getting my house in order. It's like Dan said, it's already painful right now. The league place is not going to be there. There's, you know, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. There's, I just don't see a path forward there. The Europa League is going to be tricky. I mean, it is it is not the straightforward thing. Frankfurt's going to be tough. And then, you know, who, you know, likely Arsenal in the final. So that's going to be tricky. You know, this Gillette match, while great for us in the States, that we get to go uh, see the team play for an absolutely amazing cause is a distraction at this point. And I, you know, it's, it, you know, potentially ahead of a final could be crazy that they're doing this. And that that's another thing. But what you can do is you can start to put in place infrastructure, knowing that it's not going to get better until you do it. It's like taking medicine. And, and hopefully prepare yourself for whenever that next window opens for recruitment and for, uh, you know, just the club structure to be set up differently so that this mistake of a season and, and last season are not repeated. And I think that's if, – if the club that I, you know, mythically ran came out and said, hey, look, we're going to – we're taking a beating right now, but we are getting our, our shit together. We're getting our house in order and we are confident that our new direction, new plan, uh, will help avoid this in the future. I, as a fan, would look at that and say, "All right, let's give it a go." All right, like at least you're, at least you've admitted that this direction, you know, although profitable in the past, did not get us to where we need to go at the present. We're we're at least going to try something different, and that's Dan. What I would do is, you know, there there's just limitations on, on what can be done in the league and the Europa league to this stage, but you know, they can be doing infrastructure changes behind the scenes that will help set this up in the future. Yeah. It's going to be, you know, in, in many ways a, you know, we we've talked, we talked about it probably every summer that we've had this podcast going and it just maybe is the way it has been going for Chelsea. Like this is the most important summer slash transfer window coming up for Chelsea. And I I don't think, you know, it might be, you know, might sound hyperbolic, but I don't think in this scenario it really is because if you don't establish or bring in 
the right type of football governance to your board, the right type of thought process around player recruitment, player strategy, the taking advantage of this wonderful pipeline of talent where you have Reese James, who's winning Player of the Month awards, and I think will probably end up winning the uh, Player of the Season award for Wigan. You've got Fiaka Tomori, who won Player of the Season for Fikayo Tomori. Fikayo Tomori, uh, Player of the Season for Derby County. You've Mason Mount, who has scored his first you know hat trick in you know top flight or in, in English football. So like I mean, there, there's talented pieces on the board for you to take advantage of. In addition to going out and sourcing the right external talent that you are able to acquire because you save money promoting from within. And it just needs the right leadership in the right places. And it's not saying that, you know, I mean, I think there's a lot of people, Brandon, who've said like, oh, Roman should go sell the club. And I mean, Roman has brought us a ton of success. And I think, you know, it, it sounds like from the way Bruce Buck talks about it, that Roman is still very involved with the club this whole anti-Semitism match and the the goal of combating that type of toxicity is something that he is a, a personal driving force behind. So it's not like he is, you know, hands off the wheel with Chelsea Football Club. But I think, you know, ultimately there needs to be more individuals at the right levels of leadership to impact positive change for Chelsea this summer and forward. It's a whole mess I don't even want to get involved with right now. I mean, could you imagine... Uh, there it is it's too much um look like i said i think i don't know they they gotta figure it out i think that most fans though would agree guys that the if you call them issues or maybe open-ended problems that we need to fix <laughs> opportunities go much higher than just a manager i think chelsea fans have gotten to the point where just hiring a manager isn't enough anymore whether that's a director of football whether that's um, maybe one of our legends coming back in a front office position to just maybe even just advise the board. Um, I, I, the consensus is out there that there, there needs to be a reckoning at a high level at Chelsea to say, who are we? What are we doing? Where are we going? And let's put together a plan that doesn't involve chopping and changing all the time. Or if it does, then they need contingencies where they essentially need to have at all times an active shortlist of managerial candidates ready to go in these situations. I mean, part of it is you sack Maurizio Sarri this season. You had nowhere to go. Um, you know, if if uh, Laurent Blanc was our, our only backup option, thank God we didn't go down that road. I mean, I couldn't imagine that. Um, it's just, it, it it's time, and this summer could force it, like you said, especially if a transfer ban hits or some different things play out. We might have a self-imposed kind of, reset and i know that um a lot of fans would welcome that so i'm interested to hear what everyone else thinks kind of of the situation and where we want it to go but um i don't know i feel like the sorry in crowd is getting quieter but also i think that the sorry in crowd mostly wasn't behind Maurizio. sorry they were more behind wanting the club to have a, a continuity a different path forward um, and I think that we can still try that even if Maurizio Sarri is not there. It's just looking harder and harder, or it's looking less and less likely that he can really do the job that we need done, um, especially with the players we have. So um, it's it's going to be tough. It's going to be really interesting, though. Like, let's say a change happens, and you know, who who knows what'll 
what will happen over the summer. But it's going to be really interesting because of the last, especially five years, where we've had some big personalities at the club. You had Mourinho, you had Antonio Conte, and you've had Maurizio, who you know all have their own style, all have their own flair or lack of flair. Uh, they they all you know are are kind of in their own mind like master tacticians whatever. The fans have become and supporters within the ground have become you know have been turned I would say Dan more often than not if a, if a series of results goes really bad because we as fans have been spoiled with with incredible results trophies and the like for the last fifteen twenty years so. I, I just don't know if there's a scenario, even Frank Lampard, for example, where that person, unless they win every single game, <laughs> uh, you know, will we'll keep fan support for a really long time. It's not just the the chop and change at the top. It's also the, the atmosphere within the bridge. I mean, there's just been a lot of negativity uh, around the, the team, the manager, the players this year, and... You know the the fans and, and supporters within the ground have a have a lot to do with that. So I just don't know. I'm not blaming them for being upset at all, but I just don't know what it would take for you know for the for the manager to win over the fans like Antonio did a couple years ago and and sustain that for a period of time that is longer than two seasons. Yeah, that, that is a tall tall order. I mean, I think you end up with a level of superhero style invincibility at at least for a probably more prolonged period of time with the appointment of someone like a Frank Lampard like a John Terry uh, in that position and I'm not advocating that that is the solution I'm just trying to kind of play out the scenario and with the way that they you know I mean they, they will still have to produce results right because as much as you know, we like to wax poetic about, you know, the what Frank Lampard was as a player, what John Terry was as a player, and what it meant that they, they will still need to come in and meet the expectations of their job. And there, there is still a likelihood, a, a long shot, as we should get into it, that Chelsea end up winning Europa League and winning top four, which at that point, I think the club will be, okay, well, you know, it was rough and there were some bad patches, but we'll make it work because he ultimately did what he was supposed to with his job. Uh, and I know that there are some supporters who, regardless of what happens, are going to want Marisa Sarri gone. Regardless of what happens, they're going to want Marisa Sarri to stay. And, I mean, I think that the the fractured divide is, you know, is more a long-term, a long-time coming due to uh, player recruitment, the quality of player signings going down. I mean, when you're spending you know, 45 million on a day in drink water when you're bringing in a, a Ross Barkley in midfield as, you know, potentially a, a starting option when you get it so wrong with strikers time and time again that it, it just, it, it's a, it's a compounded problem. And I think that that's probably the most frustrating thing for the, the supporters who, you know, unfortunately haven't been able to make it out to games or don't, you know, potentially want to travel to see some of the performances that have come about this season where, you know, we do have 78%, you know, 70, 80% possession, uh, but don't end up scoring a goal or end up going in and playing for a draw because the, the degradation of results have gone from knowing that Chelsea are going to go out and win pretty much every game they play to going out and understanding that Chelsea are going to 
compete and most likely win every game to going out and thinking that Chelsea will put up a good fight and hopefully they'll win a game to now going to a match and thinking Chelsea will probably not get it done this match, even if the opponent is a Burnley, even if the opponent is a Brighton. And that is a very sobering thing to wake up to. And I think that's where, you know, at least my frustration is, is that, you know, we have watched, you know, the, the reign of dominance kind of just erode in very rapid succession year over year. And uh, it's, it's unfortunate. Well, I've got good news for you then, because uh, we have just like that, a Brighton, uh, a Huddersfield up next, not, not a big deal. Um, j- just actually Man United, who's lost six of their last eight. So small fish, no no big deal. What do you think about the top four? I hate bringing the percentages into it, especially because they change so drastically. I, I know you hate them. I know you, you fucking despise them. It's amazing. But it's a benchmark. <laughs> okay, it's, one, so it's one data point. Can, can we just agree that Spurs with West Ham, Bournemouth away, and Everton remaining, that they will get a top four spot. Can we just agree, like, agree as a group that that's going to happen? Unless Champions Everton League distracts them. Or, well, and Everton's going to be tough. I mean, Everton have taken pretty much... They take United, uh, us, and Arsenal in the last three weeks. So, I mean, that's not a gimme, but you would certainly expect them to beat Brighton and West Ham, so that probably... Well, puts them in there. And they'd have to drop two spots to fall out of it. So, yeah, you're probably right. Okay. So, I mean, mathematically, they've, they're at about a 95% chance right now after winning against Brighton today with last-minute heroics from Ericsson, which, of course. Um, so then, really, it's a competition for the four spot, right? It's between us and Arsenal. Uh, Arsenal do have the benefit of having one additional game on their calendar uh, thankfully, one of those additional games is going up against Wolves, who have been a thorn in the side of pretty much everyone in the top five, top six this season. And then they have Leicester away, Brighton away. Um, so they they end up in a, a pretty kind of terrible position in terms of you know having to go away for uh, most of their remaining matches here. And that's uh, that's been their struggle. Um you know this this season. Sorry, I sorry. It's Burnley away, Leicester away, Wolves away, and then Brighton at home. So they only have one home match remaining, and home is the only place where they've been uh, almost perfect. Uh, and then we have United away, Watford, Leicester away. So we're hoping that Wolves beats Arsenal. We're hoping that Burnley just is magical again and can time waste their way in the last match of the season um, to spoil Arsenal again, and that we claim. Um, a maximum of points remaining for us. So 66% chance of Arsenal to finish top four, 31% for chance uh, chance for Chelsea, 9% for United because it's not over yet. Ole has uh, left the wheel, but uh, he might come back to it at some point if he feels like it's okay. He's like a Tesla driver with autopilot, but he forgot that he actually does need to still pay attention and stay awake when he's behind the wheel. Damn. Yeah, it, it doesn't look good, right? Like <laughs> Ch- Chelsea needed to win. It, especially because we've we've squandered our game in hand very clearly earlier twice um yeah twice uh so we blew it we blew it again and we and we blew it for the third time on Monday and uh, look i mean 
just on current form, like it's one, you know, it's one thing to beat Brighton. It's one thing to beat West Ham. You know, some of these teams that are kind of struggling are already on the beach. It's another thing, I think, entirely to go essentially play United away, which has always been tough for us. We, we've had some decent results up there, but it's always been tough uh, to play Watford, uh, who is in really good form and still fighting for a Europa League spot, which will be huge for their club. And then Leicester, who are also fighting for that same Europa League spot. Uh, it You know, it's, it's not... It's not gonna happen. Like I, I, I don't know how to how to put it any different. Like I, you know, we we had a chance to to really give it a run and and completely shit it down our leg, and you know, then the, then the focus stand becomes Europa League, and and that's gonna be fraught with with traps as well. I mean, Frankfurt are somehow still in this tournament <laughs> after an incredible comeback. And I, I think they're probably playing with a little bit of house money. Yeah. The, the funny thing is that Arsenal could be the team that keeps us out of both the top four and winning Europa League. Like there, there's a narrative oh, where Arsenal so could come. Uh, and then we'll have to deal with Arsenal fan TV with the DTs and troops of the world. Just absolutely bad mouthing Chelsea for an entire off season. And uh, that also, uh, for those keeping track at home, would be a part of your darkest timeline, um, you know, uh, elements and storylines and narratives. So, yeah, I, I is it possible still? Absolutely. It is possible for us to finish top four. It's possible for us to win Europa League. It's just we continue to making it, make it increasingly difficult upon ourselves to actually get there on our own merit. And now we are reliant upon other teams doing us favors while also being reliant upon ourselves to get maximum points. And that has been a very, very tall ask for Chelsea this season. Um, as we continue to struggle against uh, several teams, Brandon. Sure do Dan. Thanks for that. So um, that's going to wrap up everything important. So I'm just going to let you two end this episode with your little game of Thrones fantasy update. Because I don't know what the hell you're talking about. Well, that's okay, Brandon. Uh, you can't enjoy that part of life, and uh, that is that is a sadness for all of us. But uh, it is sadness to admit that uh, Mike Mike Flynn Nicholas currently leading the London's Blue Podcast Fantasy League for Game of Thrones with 420 points, um, and, and you have dropped now to last place with 190. Right, my my team of brawlers has had little action to this point um it's been a couple of beautiful setup episodes where you know i think most people thought the second episode was fantastic i am absolutely in agreement it was wonderful to see the the human emotion you know before the before the big battle to come uh so really excited about that but yeah it's been a lot of talking and and mike has a lot of talkers on his team um Tyrion lannister Tormund giants being Brand of Tarth getting the huge status upgrade, so that was great for him. Uh, Barrick and Darian. You mean me and you mean her? Uh, yes, sorry. Um, for Sir Brienne of Tarth, that's what I should say. Uh, and then Barrick killing the um, the Umber kid. Like those are those are where his points are coming in. He also has Theon Greyjoy, who I absolutely cannot stand. Uh, so. Just a really unlikable team, Dan. I think we can both say that pretty conclusively. Yeah, I mean, look, he's not here to defend himself. And uh, as you know in our podcast, if you're not here to defend yourself, 
we will take pot shots because that is what we do. And so, you know, Mike's team is really going to just, I mean, I think there's a lot of death in his future. There's a lot of, a lot death, of death on his team coming in yeah. in this next episode. Uh, might get memorable death points, though, which could be a concern for us because a lot of these are, you know, B, B to C level characters, and uh, their deaths will probably get a little on air time. And if it's memorable, uh, you can get 25 bonus points for that. So uh, I'm a little concerned about that. But uh, I'm, you know, I think the Night King going to do some damage next episode. I feel like I'll be able to catapult up. I feel like it's going to be really neck and neck at the end of next episode. I think we'll be all within 50 points of one another because right now we are both trailing Mike a lot. And, uh, you know, I think he's cheating somehow. I feel like he hacked the system. I don't know yeah. what's going on here. Paid off look, the judges. Look, John. John's going to do some damage. Regal will likely be involved. My boy Bran has to absolutely start magicianing something. Uh, you know, the Hound has to start just chopping people down. You know, like I, I'm going to have some points here coming up. But most excited that Ghost is back in the in the fold, Dan. I think this is going to be a big. He's going to be a, a big point earner for me in this episode. <laughs> Yeah, the uh, the CGI direwolf will uh, will come to your rescue. I, I, he has anyway. to do something. He has to do something. But anyway, yes, uh, we are both down to Mike uh, probably for the last time in this in this final season. Uh, we will keep you updated because I know you're all fascinated with our Game of Thrones fantasy teams. Right, Brandon. Right, Brandon. Oh, I'm sorry, what? Am I back? You're back. Yes, you're back. All right, cool. So I'm back to say thanks for listening, Chelsea fans. You guys are literally the best out there uh but get involved talk to us uh we gotta we still got some time this week we can banter back and forth we can discuss um the calum hudson adoy issue we can discuss top four we can discuss maritsu sorry there's just uh, yeah is there's no shortage of topics right now uh group therapy is a good thing so nick glad to hear you're doing well from surgery mike you literally went down sick today hope you're doing better dan and i are just gonna keep it keep it even keel keep it healthy all right, yeah. That's your project, Dan. Thanks Done. for all the all the well wishes, squad. Uh, we're we're rolling back. We're gonna be healthy, fighting fit for Boston. Awesome. All right, Chelsea fans. Well, that's a wrap for tonight. We'll be back after the Manchester United match. Uh, but until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high. <laughs>